Ever thought about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life. One episode, one Monday at a time, here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful at what they do or are extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives Those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. I want to tell you guys about my friends at Rube Adler Sports in Solon, Ohio. The guys at Rube Adler's bring passion and efficiency to the world that is custom sporting goods. They specialize in custom jerseys, team orders, online web stores, and now face masks. With the ever-growing advancements in technology, it's about time the sporting goods industry does so as well, making it as seamless as possible. They work to create a highly efficient way of connecting athletes, coaches, and all you soccer moms out there with top-notch spirit wear. Let their team help your team take the stress out of the clothing part so you can focus more on performing your best. Call them today at 440-248-4668. Mention my name, Maverick, and see how you can save on your very first order. Our guest today on the Maverick Mondays podcast is Peter Cimarroni. Peter is a serial entrepreneur that has assisted dozens of local and national companies in strategic growth, brand development, and acquisition negotiations. Peter is a dear family friend. He is also the host of our brother podcast, Blood Time, and it's about time we had him on Maverick Mondays. Uh, Peter, welcome. Well, I'm, I'm just, this is great to sit on the <laughs> other side of it and to see you do your thing is really cool, Maverick. And uh you know, from the time you were a baby, it's really cool to see how you've uh, matured and brought these really special people and special messages to uh, the audience uh, and the public at large. And it's it's really it's really heartwarming. Thank you so much. I appreciate sure, that. Absolutely. Pete, tell us, what are you all about? What is your MO? You know, you're an entrepreneur. You're an author. Yes. Pre-COVID-19? Yeah. During COVID-19? What are you all about? Well, that's, that's a good question. You know, actually, my uh, pre-COVID-19 was always about uh, the search and, and trying to attain excellence, but more importantly, also to be creative and to find solutions where sometimes there's problems uh, or there hasn't been solutions. And that comes from coaching. Uh, I'm a wrestling coach, as you know. You know, it's, it's the hardest sport in the world. Uh, and sometimes to, to get to the next level, you really have to be creative. And today, what we're finding in COVID, it's really revealed it, is that we are no longer an information society. We're not a, no longer an industrial society. We're not even a, a knowledge society. We have to become a creative society, creating sometimes things out of nothing. And if you're not 
actively working to better yourself, to be more mindful, to, to, to really search for that excellence, it's going to be a tough slog for you during this time. But I think that we have an amazing country. We have an amazing people. And you're starting to see some incredible intellect coming out of, you know, also some awful intellect uh, and some mere mediocre intellect coming out of not only COVID, but also to the, uh, you know, political turmoil and unrest that we're seeing with um, the protesting, the, the situation in the country. You know, you mentioned before that what you do is you try and provide solutions where there are none yes. and try to create something from nothing. Correct. How do you do that? What's a, what would be the first step? Well, you know, it's something when I say that maybe a little bit hyperbolic, but at the end of the day, we started this company, uh, Razor Marketing, and now it's, it's actually morphing, morphing into a best practices company and has over the years. We started a, with a product called Cough Pops, Cough Drop on a Stick. Well, you know, there was a cough drop and there was a lollipop, but there was never really a marketable cough pop. Well, there you go, right? Now, it's interesting how that occurred. I was at my sister's house, and my brother-in-law, who re- recently lost a year and a half ago, one of wonderful human being, Jim Guerreri, Dr. Jim Guerreri, he was holding a lozenge in my niece's mouth. She had a sore throat. She was three years old. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I don't want her to aspirate. I want her to choke on the, on the lozenge. And I go, oh, my. Maybe we got something. It's got to be a better way. He goes, yeah, why don't we put it on a stick? And my sister goes, yeah, why don't we put it on a stick? And there you go. And all of a sudden, right, from nothing, right, from just an occurrence or an observation came an entire industry and company that made millions of these products and were international. So so that's where I think, you know, if you really just observe just your everyday life, you can see things. Every day people are coming up with innovations whether it's just how we live or how we get things or how we learn things or how we just move through life. Everything, like who ever heard of crowdfunding 10 years ago? Well, because of the internet, we now can go on to crowdfunding and raise capital to get things to the market. It's, it's really, an, it's fascinating what time of life we live in. Right? Absolutely. And it's amazing to watch our society evolve. Absolutely. And especially today, how, how we've adapted. You know, mm-hmm. my brother is is the graduating class of 2020. It's amazing how he's living his present and how in the future he'll be telling about how he graduated virtually. Absolutely. No question. My daughter just graduated from Ohio State in 2020 and she had to, sadly, it was kind of a bummer for her. Tell me what, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you've been around the block, you know, with everything you've done, whether it's um, being an author, recently you've got into blogging yes, and the podcast and all of the things you've done in the business world as well. You've really had your fair share of experiences, ups and downs. Sure. What was the biggest lesson you've learned the hardest way? It, uh, I knew it, but you had to go through it, is that don't ever do a deal with a bad person. You cannot make a good deal with a bad person. How do you know when you're going to deal with a bad person? You know, you it's a sniff test, <laughs> kind of like when you're opening up that, that turkey <laughs> and you sniff it and it's like, oh, no, I think that's eight days now. <laughs> it's right. not pretty a good thing to eat. And mom, mom smells it or right. your girlfriend smells it. Oh, no, you shouldn't put that in yeah. your mouth. You know, It's kind of the same thing with that. You really have to feel in your gut if this person or organization really is going to pass the sniff test. So you have to rely on your brains, but you also have to rely on your intuition. And at the end of the day, if your mother is looking over your shoulder, 
would she approve of the deal or the person that you're doing business with or the deal you're doing? If she wouldn't, as long as she's not an idiot, right, <laughs> as right. long as she's not a bad person, but most mothers are great people, right? Right. Or, or at least the best person that you've ever met, right? You know, then do that deal if she approves. If she doesn't, don't. Don't. It's the mother test, right? You know, and I can tell you that everything that's ever happened to me in my life that was negative was because I didn't do that vetting and that due diligence uh, and because they ended up turning out to be not that great of people. A lot of times when you're engrossed in a project or you're trying to, you know, build your, your business or your, sure. or your cause, um, a lot of times people from the outside will be a negative influence and will say, you know, hey, you should really do it like this yes. or like this. And they have no idea what they're talking about. Yes. You know, a lot of times that's like that with a parent. A of parent course. says, you know, you've got to do it like this or right. Right. how do you deal with conflict like that? I, I just think that you have to question everything. I come from the generation where you questioned authority, but that was just one small part. You question everything. You question yourself. But at the end of the day, you have to make that determination, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, whether it's buying stocks, investing in a company, investing in human capital, um, investing in a relationship, investing in a, you know, um, a coaching position, whatever that is. But at the end of the day, I think it comes from wisdom. You know, and intellect is one thing. Uh, IQ is one, but wisdom, it comes from experience and getting your nose bloodied and making sure that you don't do that again and understanding that. And that's really what wisdom is. So like I just recently hired Jake Goodwin to be my assistant coach two years ago at Sugar Falls High School when I took that position as the head coach. Terrific hire. Great. I just knew intrinsically that this guy was the guy. Now, sadly, we lost him because he had to make, and he actually made a great decision to go back to Dallas to work for his best friend's father at a company that's making him 50% more than he was making up here. You know, so so I love that decision. You know, yeah, grant, granted, it's it's tough to re- replace him, but that's even going to make me better because I hired a greater, I hired a great guy based on my intuition, based on my wisdom, and now I got to go find somebody that to replace him, and I've got to rely on those 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 metrics and those foundational pieces that came to me over the years. And so it's, again, it's about trial and error, but it's also about using your intellect and using your intuition. On the road to success, on the road, you know, on the ladder that climbs upwards. Sure. Did you ever have to step out of bounds, do anything a little off color, unorthodox? Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I just recently, uh, not recently, but dear God, now it's almost seven years. Wow. It's so funny how it looks like for me yesterday, but I was running the uh, Ken Lancey campaign for mayor, and Ken was really, really not doing well in the polls. He was down, he was like 5%, and Frank Jackson was at, uh, who was the incumbent, was at like 70%. And I said, you know, we got to do something to shake this up. So I remember doing something back years ago in a campaign for billboards, and I turned his billboards upside down. And all of a sudden, you got national press. People are like, who the heck is this guy? You know, he's upside down. You've got bus cards going upside down. And all of a sudden, he went from 5% in the polls to 40% over the polls overnight. Now, he lost, you know, he lost by landslide. He lost like 60 to 38% or whatever. But he at least was part of the conversation. He at least became a little bit relevant in the conversation. And he got some good points, challenged Jackson on some things, but it really didn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So but yeah, so yeah, so I've done that kind of thing. But when it when it comes to doing something that is not right to my core, I just won't do it. 
I, I just won't do it. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you don't know this, but your younger self right now is listening. Okay. What piece of advice do you have to offer him? You know, he's starting out or maybe it's, you know, it's unclear where his future's going. Well said. What, what do you have to offer him based on all that you've gone through? I would say two things. Um, say no a lot more and trust that you are that person, meaning that you are that successful, uh, grounded person. Uh, there was a lot of, particularly in my generation, there was a lot of turmoil coming out of the 60s and 70s. And so we didn't, we questioned everything, but we, didn't, we started to question ourselves. And so I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And I may have looked like I did, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself in my, in my 20s for sure. And I made decisions, lifelong decisions, that affected me. Um, and I grew from those. But today, I would not have made those same decisions. And I would definitely have said no much more, been much more adamant about the kind of life that I wanted to lead. So, The, uh, the world of business, and you know this far mm-hmm. better than I do, there's a lot that's going on. It's fast-paced. You've sure. got to stay on top of your game. You know, if there's something out of your league, if there's something, you know, beyond your scope of understanding or your capabilities, right? where do you go? Where did you go? Where do you turn? You know, we are best practices companies, so we look at that. We look at companies that have already created the solution, okay, or constantly creating the solution, and we we utilize them as part of our platform and part of our, our solution, part of our answer. So I look to people that have the answers, but also look to people and companies that want to provide the solution based on the questions that, that I'm asking. And then we have a collaborative event or collaborative organization together, if you will, that creates that, that solution. So the, the collaborative effort is really the, is really the special sauce. It also sounds like, you know, and I've, I've had the privilege to sit in on just about all of your, I think all of the blood time um, yeah. recording sessions. Yeah. It also seems like you're really big into reflecting on the past and, sure. and almost introspection mm-hmm. on a personal level and on a you know a global level. Yeah. Would you say that that is part of your special sauce? Introspection, really reflecting on the past. Yes. Mistakes, wins, losses. Yeah, I think introspection and also circumspection. So it's more of a little bit of a global approach, as you were saying, and really hold myself accountable, but also hold the people around me accountable too, to the to the effect effect that I have not asked them to do anything I wouldn't have done have done in the past or willing to do currently now I can't do every job I just it, it's a it's a dumb way to go about business so like case in point like with coaching I can't wrestle with the kids like I used to as the assistant coach that's kind of the assistant coach's job so that's where you pull in the assistant yeah coach. yeah that's your I'm willing to do that I've done it but if I do it, I become counterintuitively less effective. So that's where the introspection and circumspection comes from. But also, too, it's the accountability. I, I got to be honest with the audience. You deserve everything you get, good, bad, or indifferent. It's just the fact of life. And if you don't look in the mirror and say, man, I didn't really do a great job there, and find a way to get better, your life's not going to get better. You know, you're the host of the Blood Time podcast, which is, right. you know, it's more than just a podcast. It's really a movement. It's really a, a, a culture. And it's it's, well, so it's it, nice of you to say so. It, it really you. is. I I'm watching that. it grow. I've really I've had, you know, I mentioned before, I've had the privilege to sit in on all the recording sessions, meet the guests that you brought in. It right. really is an experience. Thanks. And, you know, I want to 
borrow your question. Sure. And I want to turn it on you. So wrestling has been a part, the majority of your life. Correct. It's yeah. really you know been so impactful for you. What? How has the sport prepared you for life? It's a very honest sport, and I'm going to steal that phrase from Jay Goodwin. But it's a very honest sport. There's nowhere to hide, and I love that. And I love that I have set up a company that is engaged based on performance, or a vast majority of it's based on performance. Too much is is just expected or given or, you know, uh, today in, in, in the business world, there's so many just safety valves in, in education. There's safety valves. Uh, there's just so many people not held accountable for their performance, for their actions, for their how they go through life. And consequences, if you're not prepared to step on the mat and those and get those consequences or, or those outcomes, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, then you don't belong in the sport. There's only one of three things that are going to happen when you step on that mat. You're going to win, you're going to lose, or you're going to get hurt and you can't finish the match. Not that you lose, but you, you can't finish the match. Okay. So there's two out of three outcomes that aren't that good. And it takes a special individual to really be a wrestler. And that's what I love about it. The work ethic, pushing yourself to beyond the limits that you think you could ever do that. The camaraderie and also the connections that you make lifelong. And you've heard them. Uh, and your father's one of them. It's really cool. Do you have a favorite memory from the wrestling chapter of your life? And it's still going on. You know, you're, you're still yeah. very active in the wrestling world. Hence, you have a show that is a, practically around wrestling. Sure. Do you have a favorite memory, a favorite story from the wrestling room? I have so many, but I, if I if I focus on one thing, it was at the district semifinals in 1979, and I was coaching Butch Lapsley, and he was a sophomore, and he was wrestling a defending state champ who had beat Ricky Sorkin, our defending state champ at the state finals the year before, and I had worked with him every day. I had worked with him, Michael Goldberg, Jeff Tolan. That was the that was the trio, right? Uh, they were great wrestlers at Beachwood High School. At Beachwood High School, yes. And I was a young assistant coach, and I had this magical thought that I could help him from the seat win that match through mental telepathy, mental focus, mental connection. And I felt it so intrinsically, so in my soul, that I think he felt it too. And then I got that same connection with Michael Goldberg. And then all of a sudden, these guys are starting to place in the state as sophomores and juniors and then make the state finals as, you know, uh, juniors and seniors. And there was there was something just magical about that moment that I'll never forget. And when he won, he beat him two to one. I probably, you know, I, I'm vertically challenged. I don't have that greatest of a, a vertical leap, but I, I jumped high, man, and I was pumped. And that was probably one of the most seminal magical moments of my existence as a coach what yeah. a, what about the podcast do you have a favorite i don't you know obviously you love all your guests. oh yeah i do i do, do you have sure. a favorite memory from the show and a favorite lesson yeah i think that uh you know when when coach i um talked about his grandson being murdered by that uh very troubled soul in chardon it was it was truly just breathtaking i had to kind of step back and, and think about that it's not a happy memory but it is if you're if i'm answering your question in the right way it is the most i think poignant moment of our podcast is when he he relayed that 
We are sitting in our studio, mm-hmm. and like I said before, we get the privilege to do this often. We get to sit in the studio. Usually, I'm not in front of the microphone. Right. Usually, you're it's producing. Either. You're the producer extraordinaire. <laughs> but oh, yeah. um, I love that you wear both hats. That's great. But around us right now, yeah. you know, we're still amid COVID nineteen. Sure. You know, businesses are on pause. Yep. School is on pause. You know, everything is kind of in a standstill, more yep. or less. Yeah, and recently we we've been having these riots going yeah, on. Yeah, social unrest, absolutely, all across the country. Right. How do you feel about that? You know, your perspective to me is very valuable, as you know, you're you're an author, and the encounters that you've had sure. really lend a unique twist to things. You know, I've said before on the podcast that um, I feel that comedians have an interesting perspective. They're able yeah. to take a situation in life and make it funny. Yeah. So I, I like to hear their perspective. Sure. Authors and bloggers as well, I think, have a very unique perspective. And being that I know you and we have a relationship, I would love to hear, you know, what is your take on everything that's going on? Black Lives Matter, is it a thing? Is it yeah. not a thing? What, yeah. what is your perspective? Well, I think that everyone's really missing the point that there's a lot of reaction. You know, protesting is reaction, okay? There's no vision. And there's been an amazing history of success, of transformation, of enlightenment. And we can't forget that some of the most incredible human beings have come before this during the struggle. But right now, in my estimation, black lives matter the most right now because we have an underserved population that feels really bad. They really feel bad about what's, what's going on here. Whether it's true or not, whether the statistics prove it or not, perception to them is reality. And I don't know that reality because so I've never been a black man, but I am an Armenian. I am an Italian. I know I was raised in Beechwood, I was the only Italian that went there. So I know somehow, you know, feeling ostracized. And I know the history of the Armenians where if the Turkish government at the time had the means, they would have eradicated every Armenian from the planet in World War I. And I would not be sitting here because I wouldn't exist. So I understand that historically. And I understand that viscerally. I understand it because I felt ostracized at times. But at the end of the day, you know, there's two ways to get better help from the outside and help from yourself. So how does anybody get better is they take their own initiative to look in the mirror and say, I'm going to be accountable. Okay. But they also have to have help. And so we as a country, we have to be visionary. We have to look at, not at the reaction, not hate the police, not hate the black person, not hate the white person, not blame them, but help. Help educate everyone, help economics, uh, help economically, help educationally, help spiritually, help psychologically. And what I mean by that is if you're looking at a situation where an organization has a weak link, and right now, arguably, the black culture is the weak link in our entire country. Let's rise them up because we are only as strong as our weakest link. Let's rise them up. Let's, Let's give them as much as we possibly can with consequences, with responsibility, not just to give it to the black community, but also with a goal. Here's what we're gonna do once this occurs. Here's what we're gonna achieve once this occurs. Here's the kind of evolution. Here's the kind of reformation. Here's the kind of inclusion. Here's the kind of, we are, we are I wrote a blog, we're gonna stand as one or we're gonna fall for all. If we don't come together as a visionary country and provide a solution for this 
underserved population that feels betrayed. We're all going to suffer and we're suffering right now. And also, too, you know, we have to also do the same. I've talked to, to Scott Safanovitz. He's bummed out. You know, this is a great guy. We've interviewed him. He's a great officer. He's a progressive guy. He comes up with ideas to help kids not get into trouble uh, or to, to cut them off at the pass. Particularly college-age kids are screaming at him and, you know, and chagrin falls. I mean, what are we doing to each other? You know, this is not what America is all about. And so I think that if we look at a visionary progressive solution, because ultimately man's best destiny is a utopian view. Love one, love all, help all, help one. Come together and be our best destiny as a species. We can't do that by reactionary rhetoric, okay, or uh, agendas. Agendas such as trying to keep a certain segment of the population pissed off and subjugated to certain people. And conversely, we can't throw stones at those same people and say, get your act together. You know, sometimes it's hard to get your act together. If there's not an infrastructure to do so, then we're all going to lose. But we also can't look at an infrastructure that's faulty and continue it. We have to look at it and we either have to reform it or we have to deconstruct it and rebuild it, just like a house. If a house has got rotting wood, what are we going to do? Build over the rotting wood? No. If we've got a, a foundation that's crumbling in the basement that's got all types of water damage and, and black mold or, or whatever it's got, we'd raise that up and build up something brand new and brand and better, okay, with our better technology, with our better intellect, with our better evolution. We build it together. So right now, I think that the country has to pay laser beam focus to the black community and also to the peace officers that protect us and really help both of those immediately with great, robust intent. Peter, who do you look up to? Who are your role models today in the past? My father was my first hero. I wanted to be him without question. Coach I was somebody, too, that I wanted to aspire to, that I always wanted to be like he was just a great coach and also a father figure. But really, at the end of the day, after all I've gone through, my hero, I hope, is my 72-year-old self. Kind of Matthew McConaughey-ish, right? Um, I like that he drives Lincolns, too. I like, <laughs> I like Lincolns. But having said that, you know, I look at my 52-year-old self, and definitely my 62-year-old self is that 52-year-old self's hero. And I don't mean to be self-serving, but that's what I want to continue to do. I want to continue to improve and evolve and learn and have an open mind, heart, and spirit all the time and to just get better. I think that if we all look at ourselves and say, God, I want to be better tomorrow than I was today, but I want to do the best I can today, what a great world to be, wouldn't it? If... You wake up on a Monday morning, uh -huh. and it's just, it's not your day. Uh -huh. You wake up, and it's cloudy, it's raining, COVID is still active. Sure. What, how do you snap yourself out of it? You know, I haven't had a lot of those in a long time. But I remember those days, those dread, the dread of Monday. Yeah, so what, what, you know, what piece of advice would you offer someone who goes through those? I would, uh, if, I, if I had that feeling, I would do three things. I'd meditate. 
I'd exercise and I'd drink a really big glass or tub of iced coffee with a nice half and half and some coconut sugar. <laughs> and I drink that down and I'd say, let's go. It's time to kick ass. I wouldn't allow that to progress. I, I'd make sure that within an hour it was, or, or sooner it was kicked, it was, it was uh, nipped in the bud. But I think, I think mindful meditation and introspection is extremely important when someone is in a, in a tough situation. And I think exercise also brings endorphins, adrenaline, all those good things that are natural, natural narcotics, for lack of a better term. I mean, the reason people sadly are addicted to opium is because they bring endorphins into the body. We can get that naturally just by working out. What's the best thing, right? Hard workout, go take a nice hot shower and then chill. Isn't that the best feeling in the world? It's the best. It's the best, right? So um, Monday, sometimes you got to do that Monday morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? So, Pete, thank you so much. This sure. this has been, you know, long overdue. Right. I really appreciate you coming on. How can people find out more about you? How can they connect with you? So, obviously, MV Podcasting. Also, too, we're all over social media. Blood Time is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on LinkedIn. I have personal LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Peter Cimarroni, Coach Cimarroni, thank yes. you so much. Mav, you're the best. God bless. Takeaways from episode 32. One, innovations can come simply by observing everyday life with a little twist in our perspective. Two, rely on brains and intuition. If your mother is watching, would she approve? If not, don't do it. Three, trust that you are that person. That person who is confident, successful, and well-grounded. Believe that you are that person today. Four, Peter said himself in 10 years from now is his hero and role model. Can we say the same thing? Are we living today, preparing for the future, that our future self will be our role model? Five, there are two main ways to get better or correct a situation. One is help from the outside, the other is help from the inside. Six, instead of pumping in all this unnecessary hate into the world, let's try and be visionaries. Let's not look at the reaction but rather ask ourselves, what can we do to help? How can we promote positive change? And seven, we are only as strong as our weakest link. Let's strengthen it, raise it up, and make it better.